passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson here on Tuesday morning. Brian, you got your first glimpse at a post-practice with Matt Rule on Monday morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. Your thoughts on uh, on the first day of the, the Matt Rule spring era, if you will. Each era is going to get its own designation. Mm-hmm. You know, Then we'll move into gear two, and then at some point we'll just stop pretending like this is new. Yeah. Um, well, first off, it was uh, – it was uh, – it felt a little bit like the old days because we're st- we still do the interviews up in the concourse of the stadium, but that's about to change um, as they as they fix the new facility. But I think what stood out the first day was uh, Matt Rule. I think does a nice job so far, at least, of not letting the sewing circle get a hold of things and just like spin it around the state. Uh, and by that I mean like he just comes out and says. Anthony Grant, yeah, he's suspended right now. He's got some day-to-day stuff. We got work. He's got to work it out. We'll see if he does. And I love that. I I I think it too often. Uh, this is just one example on day one. I understand, but I think around here sometimes things have been let to sort of fester. You know, they sort of just sit in the wind, and everybody makes what they will of it. And they said, "I heard this" or "I heard that," and um, it's actually not near as big a deal when the head man just comes out and says. Yeah, these are the guys who aren't here. These guys left the program. Um, these guys weren't even here all semester, as in uh, Chris Hickman and Tyreek Johnson. They haven't been around. They're no longer on the team. James Carney just left. He laid all that out. And I guess, Schaefer, I really, as a reporter, appreciate that instead of it just being like 
some guy who's like, oh, I heard that, you know, it's it's nice to not have that uh, when you can uh, swat that uh, rumor mill stuff away. I like that you go a sewing circle as opposed to our cohort, Michael Bruns, who refers to it as a knitting circle. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I Honestly, I don't know that I know the, the biggest distinction between knitting and sewing other than maybe, you know, one is, is uh, more machine oriented with a sewing machine maybe mm-hmm. is that is that a thing i mean or do you I'm hand not... sew too i i don't know these are <laughs> these are the tough questions i'm willing to ask on this show i shouldn't bring up a phrase like sewing circle if i can't like uh give some detailed responses about what that represents probably um because but now we're now we're into it did you have to sew a pillow in middle school or anything like that did you take a as part of a home ec class did you have to do any sewing no, but there should there should be that stuff. They should it, teach it, you that stuff. We had that in Columbus. Had to, you uh, did? Yeah, we had like a sewing unit. It was actually pretty enjoyable. I won't lie. I made a pillow using fabric uh, with like M and M's on them. It was it was great. I don't know where that pillow is now. Did you, did you have like? Uh, did you have like uh, stuff like how to handle a four hundred one k or like um, you know like you're balancing your checkbook, which maybe now is. Uh, old old fashioned but yeah we had a personal finance class that i took yeah. i don't know that i retained much of it and then i wised up and married someone who's an accountant and so that's she right. handles all of our finances and i have to think about it so that was that's what i learned in that class find someone smarter than you and attach yourself to them no that's that's uh that's probably the best life advice we could ever give on this show <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, but, but but I don't know. I don't know on the sewing circle. That I I I had always heard sewing circle over knitting circle. I don't know where Brunts gets that from, but maybe maybe his is more popular than mine, and I'm the one who's I, out there. I don't know. I've heard both now. I okay. uh, honestly didn't hear either before either of you had said them, but now now they're both out there, and I'll have to choose, or maybe I'll find some other circle to, yeah. to throw out there the next time we're talking about a group of people who maybe gossip a little more. Uh, frequently but so. you know you know what i'm saying oh around, I, I know 100 percent what you're saying around here yeah. around here one thing gets a little bit of life and it just takes off it's and a big game um, of telephone yeah and sometimes it's right sometimes it's not and i'm not saying that the the head coach or whomever should unveil everything that goes on inside their doors i don't think they should but i i think for the specific cases we've seen so far um I, I like the way that it's coming from rule and not um, other places. He's the one who's, uh, you know, who, who's saying, yeah, this is what happened and we'll see if he fixes it. And that, you know, the nice thing about it for some Anthony Grant's behind the eight ball now because they're talking up other running backs mm-hmm. and he's not out there this spring and it, it's, it's going to be tough. But the one thing I'd say is if you look at rules background, he's had cases like this, uh, Robbie Anderson was an example, I believe, where he actually went home for a semester yeah. or something and uh, came back and obviously made it to the NFL. And so th- he gives chances to guys to correct errors. And uh, there's opportunity for these guys to fix it. Tommy Hills also is not in practice right now, um, he said. So um, we'll, we'll see where those storylines go, but it's sort of in their court, I think, to show they can fix it. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of with that it'll be interesting the first time there's some notable injury news how that's handled too yeah every every coach goes about injury stuff a little bit differently and if he's as equally transparent with injury things as he is 
with these initial suspensions and who's no longer on the roster and all of that, <laughs> I would be I would be a big fan because there's nothing I find more aggravating than like having to try to answer someone's question about an injury when either what you know is just based on second, third, fourth hand information, uh, or you honestly have no idea. And so those, you know, we would go weeks at times where there'd be an injury right after a coach, the head coach would talk and then he wouldn't be scheduled for like another 10 days. And it's a pretty notable person that, you know, either isn't practicing and I, I would just prefer to avoid a lot of that if we can't just I don't, get it out there there's no benefit there really isn't and i think living in the nfl world where that stuff doesn't really you don't have the whisper rumors as much i think there you just move on from it because it's a it's more business oriented i i do wonder if if rule will have that mindset kind of as he goes through this yeah well and it's a waste of energy for coaches i think to try to uh, worry about okay what's out there what are we what are we keeping from the you know like playing this game we're like no we can't we can't say this publicly and it's it's just uh um it's uh rabbit hunting as i always say like some of that stuff where you get caught up in things that don't matter and it's it's just more useful to go out and say this is what it is uh, i don't know if we ever even heard what thomas fedoni's injury was last year from a coach i don't think that ever like was it involved specific. a leg and knee and yeah. ankle yeah you know a femur or whatever i mean there were, it was almost like yeah I mean, maybe he'll be back in the summer like, <laughs> oh that, that's the part that i absolutely hate so like, oh, yeah he, he might be back maybe not he from what possible. not from what we've heard i don't think he'll be back in the summer but um yeah so that it anyway i I like that. It's yeah. not maybe not a big deal to the fans, but um, it was to me that the way he handled that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you did say there's some personnel news. Let's run through some of that. You mentioned some things here. Okay. Who are the guys that are no longer on the roster? Tyreek Johnson, Chris Hickman, James Carney aren't on the roster. Uh, Hickman and Tyreek Johnson haven't been here since the start of the semester. So that wasn't really a surprise. Mm -hmm. It was just confirmation. Um, you know, Chris was obviously a Omaha lad who um, I think uh, the last staff appreciated, uh, but he had trouble putting on weight and um, uh, sort of saw limited action and suffered a bunch of injuries. And there might have, you know, the, this game takes a toll on you if you, t if you have too many injuries. Tyreek Johnson was one of those, let's be honest, we hyped up. Uh, pretty good when he committed because he came from Ohio State. He was a former four-star, maybe five-star at some point. Um, and it it just didn't happen for him at Nebraska. He never really – I don't even think was really that close to the two deep, it no. didn't seem like. Um, no. So I, that's an example, Schaefer. I'll throw it to you of where we, I, it tells me to be cautious also. We have guys that are coming from big programs right now. We got to be – not overdo it sometimes like just because he came from Alabama, Georgia or Ohio state or Florida or whatever, that it's going to mean he's a starter right away. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's definitely something to to kind of keep in mind as we think about some of these kids that are coming from Georgia and we've seen it recently, obviously Tyreek Johnson, Ohio state, some guys from Alabama, uh, just because you're coming from a top end program doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a top end contributor. And so uh, Tyreek Johnson was a, a thing where, you know, the last staff, I think, took the word of a, of a player on the roster that the guy was going to be able to help. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out that way. And so 
Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think any of these are, are overly surprising. James Carney, I think, of those, and that was the one where I think he just stepped away from the team here more recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had kind of a fascinating recruitment, you know, where it seemed like it didn't necessarily look like Nebraska was going to offer, and then they finally came through. I'll be curious if he resurfaces playing college football anywhere else, but he had an uphill battle at the tight end spot that, you know, added a couple names. That was the other part of the news that came out of yesterday yeah. is there's there's a couple new tight ends. And so one local tight end is out and uh, a new local tight end will uh, take his place and Jake Applegate potentially. And then uh, what is it? Janira Bonner is going to be a kind of a hybrid tight end look more. So the, the tight end room, Bob Wager, he's going to have a lot of interesting pieces to kind of sort through. Not a lot of experience over there but a lot of interesting pieces. Yeah. And I, I want to do a deeper dive story actually on Satterfield's sort of usage of tight ends um, mm-hmm. in the past. Cause I think at South Carolina, they had their share of injuries. This has been sort of spoken about generally. And uh, he stacked a bunch of tight ends in different roles last year and had some success with it. And uh, it's sort of like the defense. We always talk about the defensive hybrid guys, but I think this offense really loves those type of players. And in yeah. Bonner, they saw a guy like, man, he's got the frame. He's at two. That, I love that rule too. Said the specific, he's like, he's two seventeen Now, if we could get him to two twenty two, um, So two, two, two is the big number. Um, but he could be a tight end receiver, even a tailback somewhat in how they use those guys. Um, and it sounded like, uh, the guys who switched sort of, I think, looked at the track record of this staff and said, you know what, they've had success uh, with some guys doing this in the past. I'm, I'm the coach thinks I have a better chance to play this way. I'm going to listen, which is always a smart idea. Yeah, I I am guilty of this with the tight end thing. I mean, I focus so much on what Rule did at Temple and at Baylor, and I do have to keep in mind. I mean, Marcus Satterfield has a different sort of um, setup when he was running things at South Carolina. And so what he might want to do is, is maybe different than what rule had done in the past. And so that tight end position could have a different, you know, look to it than what I sort of had locked into. When you look at, at Baylor where those guys were largely there to block, they were largely there to, to kind of set things up. I mean, their leading tight end had like 74 yards in their best season. So um, that is definitely one of those positions where I will be curious, Brian, what, what the usage kind of looks like. I will say I always get a little hesitant with position change stuff because sometimes it just feels like you're just sort of trying to see if there's anything there Um, for a guy. I mean, I I think about, you know, I'm going back a little bit, but, you know, Justin McGriff came here and he jumped Mm -hmm. multiple different positions. I already look at Brody Tagaloa and I kind of turn in my head a little bit because he went from a defensive end recruit to a tight end back to the defensive line. Um, so, you know, I I don't – any he hasn't healthy. I don't always know that it works, but it is generally intriguing. And one guy who isn't changing positions yet, but the conversation around him is what if he decides to change positions, is Heinrich Harburg. And that is someone I am very curious about. I think we're going to learn a lot about him this spring. We're going to learn about his future, I think, this spring as well. Yeah, and uh, you were around him yesterday. It felt like in reading your story that he has, uh, you know, we always talk about fresh start, this, and we say that over and over again. But he really, I think, 
fills it, doesn't he, with this staff? Like this yeah. is a chance to begin hit the reset. I think he was pretty diplomatic about it, but I don't think he felt like he was in the plans at all for Mark Whipple. And I don't think he felt like he got a whole lot of work or a lot out of last fall. Uh, just reading between the lines. Again, he didn't come out and say that. Uh, but this is someone who certainly he walked away from an, an early meeting with Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield in believing those two want to develop him and they want him to at least try quarterback. And everybody agrees if maybe that depth chart is pretty stacked up, his athleticism is something they want to they want to you know delve into a little bit more. So he's going to try quarterback. We'll see if that sticks. I wouldn't necessarily write him off of that. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy, Brian, that when he was a high school recruit, um, was a really intriguing athlete. He's six foot five. He, I think, has the biggest, if not, you know, right there with, with you know, Jeff Sims and Richard Torres, one of the biggest arms on this team. Like he can absolutely light it up from an arm strength perspective. Um, it's, it's been sort of learning the playbook that I, you know, had heard under at least Mario Verduzco that was holding him back a little bit. But I think there's certainly some interesting talent there. And if you're trying to develop a quarterback over the long term uh, that maybe can provide a backup uh, role for you or you could have special packages with using that athleticism, I don't think Heinrich Harburg necessarily has to change positions to get value out of him. But if you see someone that you think can develop as a, as a linebacker or as a tight end, those are the two positions that make the most sense to me, you could see him switch too. I mean, I think the – the possibilities sort of feel somewhat endless with behind the harbor. Yeah. And Satterfield said this his first time in front of the media. He likes QBs that can run a little bit. He likes yeah. have at least not that that has to be your staple. That's been that a big change for him. I think he mm-hmm. kind of admitted like that was yeah. having that in the playbook. He found a lot of value in it. It's just nice to have that available, you know, like it's mm-hmm. third and five and you need that play that kind of takes you out of the weeds and you have a guy who can run and Harbor can do that um harburg would have been a guy this staff i think would have recruited out of high school you know because if you think about like he had the documented track times and um i think they love those guys who just have versatility where it's like if if it doesn't work here we could try you somewhere else so um it doesn't surprise me that this staff is at least intrigued by by what he can do and i Again, sort a little bit different way of doing things. He comes up the first day of spring ball too, Schaefer, and does interviews. You know, like that's. Uh, I mean, we're we're not talking about a guy who's played here really, and right. and and um, but they're basing this off of who's done well in winter work, who's like you know, like let's let's put some different guys out there, and that that's kind of an interesting twist. Yeah, one of the things you know, Ethan Piper was out there too, and he talked about this. And I don't, I don't want to make too much of it because obviously you get into that habit of where there's a coaching change and everything's better than it was and everything is great and then it turns around and they, they have to go win games. So like that's what really makes it great. But Ethan Piper kind of talked about how the way they approached offseason this year versus what he had in the past and Harburg sort of backed the statement up. He found more fun and joy in that competition in in what they were doing and felt like there was a more of a purpose to it uh i found that really sort of interesting from a guy in ethan piper that you wouldn't necessarily think it it wouldn't be one of the first probably 10 names off your sheet but he's a really intriguing piece this spring because if he can kind of 
lock down a spot on the interior, then this is a guy with multiple seasons of starting experience. Uh, it could change the way that offensive line sort of looks too. And so I thought it was notable that he was one of the first guys out there. He spoke really highly of the experience. He backed up everything uh, that we heard Matt Rule say, the players feel about Donovan Rayola. Um, you know, I thought Ethan Piper was an interesting choice to go up there on that first day. But he kind of had a lot to say, Brian, and and a lot of it was sort of interesting to me. Yeah, um, and O-line's a spot where D-line too, where guys can um, still surface, I think, and you're like, oh, I didn't know he had that in him, but in like year four or five. Um, there's other positions where I don't think that's as true all the time. Like I think some of those skilled spots, you kind of know if a guy can – affect things or not earlier in his career um but piper i think i know last year he spoke about when he got benched um you know that was sort of a that was one of those times where you kind of got to look in the mirror and challenge yourself and see what you're all about and he came back last season and i wouldn't say he had a great season it was kind of a choppy a year for the whole O-line, but amongst the guys who were starting, he was probably one of the better guys um, mm -hmm. on that five at the end of last year. So um, he he's the guy until he's not. I mean, he was one of the starters at the end of the year, and obviously Nuri's back in the mix, and he could take up his space. But, um, yeah, Piper, another one of those guys, I think people are pretty pumped up when they got him as a recruit. And so you want to see him, maybe maybe this is where he finds it, and he's just that solid guy. And he can also play center, I believe. Uh, yep. I think he's been mentioned at that. Yep. And he said he's been working center in mm -hmm. both guard spots. Well, we have sort of kind of, I think, assumed, well, that's got to be Ben Scott, right? That's what he was brought in here for. Ryle has kind of played that down. And so I guess we got to at least just watch that play out and see if, if maybe we get surprised there. Nope. Absolutely. Anything else you want to hit on team-wise? No, I mean, it, your thoughts on, uh, does they, did the Gabe Irvin, um, I mean, Irvin was sort of like one of those headlines of the day, like yeah. you know, rules, like I think really impressed by him at the, off the bat, uh, call him a guy who could be like a battering ram type of back. Uh, that surprise you or, or what do you think of it? Um, I have it in like the bucket of we'll see. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just heard now a lot about Gabe Irvin over three springs and I know he got hurt and he was supposed to start as a freshman, but I've never seen him in a game and been like, Oh yeah, that guy's going to be a real problem for people the way I have other running backs. And so I think a lot of it for me with Gabe Irvin is it's going to fall in the, yeah, that's nice. Let's see mm -hmm. in the fall. Like there's a, does the spring talk get backed up? Does he actually get the chance to play? Does he then back that up with strong play? Because, um, you know, like, it's it's easy to forget this, but, like, he obviously won that job going into the 2021 season, and it looked like he was going to be the guy. And then, of course, the running offense was just – I mean, it was terrible. There's no other really way to say it. They didn't know how to figure out, you know, they didn't know how they were going to use their running backs at that time. and Obviously, they really struggled against Illinois off the bat, had some success against Fordham and Buffalo. And then in that game against Oklahoma, it was Ramir Johnson that took over. And But that was also the game where Gabe Irvin gets hurt. Well, Ramir Johnson's still here. You have A.J. Allen. And I just feel like we've seen more when it matters from A.J. Allen 
Ramir Johnson. We don't know what's going to happen with Anthony Grant, but he's done more. I just – Gabe Irvin's one of those guys I just don't want to fall in this trap where it gets talked up every spring and then it gets to the fall and it's just like, all right, he's there. That's mm-hmm. fine. So I'm – I it's probably unfair to Gabe Irvin, who's had a tumultuous couple years, and he's a great kid. I mean, I, I know that you've talked with him. I've talked with him. His attitude is exactly what you want. I could see why he would be infectious to a coaching staff. Uh, he came from a great high school program. He knows what winning is, and he works hard. I just I need to see it in the fall before I get too far uh, down the road of, you know, there's something here with Gabe Urban. Like, that's, that's yeah. kind of how I feel at this point. It almost feels like I know you can't go good on good as much as you used to, like in practices, you know, or, or, or coaches are very hesitant to do so. But I've thought about this and running back's the spot where you almost have to like take that chance a little bit more because um, I've been repeating this the last couple of days, but I'll say it one more time. I was one of those people who like when the frost era began began and like Greg Bell was on the scene, who, by the way, went on and did okay for himself. Um, So I don't want to knock him. But remember, the big talk about him here at Nebraska was like, oh, this guy can be a home run hitter. He's going to take those, you know, the 55, 60 yarders. And that's what was like flashing through everyone's mind was like that Central Florida offense where guys were it was just a track meet, you know, and all that. Adrian Killian's. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I was like, oh, man, that's that's what you're looking for. Who's that guy who can take that play and turn four into 40? I've changed my mindset as in watching the big 10, the last few years. And it's like, give me Mo Ibrahim. Give me that guy. Who's that guy? Yeah. Who's that guy who takes one or two yards and makes it four and then does it again. And then it's third and two. And you're like, you're not stopping him. He's going to move it. And this is going to be a seven and a half minute drive and good luck trying to recover from that. So somehow, some way, it's about finding out who's the best amongst these backs to me of getting one or two extra yards, like most every carry where they're always getting North South. And that's what Anthony Grant, even if he were here would have to prove, you know, because he was very good at the explosive stuff. But then when it got to the grind, it was too much East West and it wasn't playing very well. Um, So I don't know, maybe Irvin's has that Um, AJ Allen. Of course we want to see, have an opportunity with that because he seems like he could be but um Irvin's actually a bigger back than AJ AJ is a big guy he's yeah. a big guy yeah. uh AJ's not as like big a listing as I was thinking like he's only like 185 or so but he seems bigger um yeah. but anyway that'll be uh that's where my head is at with running backs that's uh for like the 50th year in a row it's a deep position room and kind of a fun position room because you got a lot in there I mean mm-hmm. All four of those guys at at one point um, could have laid claim to being the guy. Uh, you know, yeah, Anthony Grant had a great start to last season. Gabe Irvin was the supposed starter or that was the starter for the start of 2021. Ramir Johnson had, a you know, the best game against Michigan, uh, a college football playoff team in 2021, and then went on a milk carton in 2022. And A.J. Allen flashed immense potential in his four games. So um, there's a lot there. I mean, that's going to be a really competitive thing. And I am I am really curious, you know, what that's going to look like for E.J. Barthel, who also really likes Quentin, Quentin Ives, who uh, will be yeah. joining the team, you know, in the summer. And so I uh, they didn't go into the portal, and it makes a ton of sense why. And I also think 
Anthony Grant not being there, that's going to hurt him a lot. I mean, you mm. let these guys get out in front of you, it's going to be pretty hard to win that back, I suspect. Yeah, I, I would guess so. Um, and and your teammates, you got to win their respect okay. back too um, because it. Uh, we can, I think we can connect the dots. You know, a few weeks ago, Rule was at the press conference and he was talking about picking – for those team competitions and you get the sense maybe that was Anthony, the one starter who is, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, which, you know, the term for the last pick. And that's because, you know, you gotta, you gotta be there. Um, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, be there for your teammates and those things off the field too. So it is going to be tough. Emmett Johnson's another guy. Well, you know, we don't know a lot about from last year, so maybe he makes, makes a claim this spring, but uh, yeah, it's pretty, Pretty pretty wide open at that spot, I would say. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Brian, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll dive into some recruiting. Nebraska had some visitors on campus on Monday. They got a visitor on campus today. You may or may not know this, Brian. They're expected to have a couple visitors on campus over the weekend. Just a few. Okay. Uh, so we're going to we're going to dive into some recruiting talk when we return here on the Husker twenty four seven podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's recruiting time. There are going to be no shortage of recruits on campus this weekend. But Matt Rule and staff got a chance to have two yesterday, two offered guys. Willis McGahee, the fourth. Uh, first of all, because we're we're old enough. What are your thoughts on uh, on Willis McGahee? What do you remember about Willis McGahee, the running back, his father uh, at the University of Miami, circa two thousand? One two thousand two, Brian Christopherson. Uh, he was dynamic, and um, part of arguably one of the—I mean, it is one of the best college teams at one squad. Um, I was at the school newspaper at that Rose Bowl game where they just blitzed Nebraska. It was thirty-four nothing at halftime, and uh, McGahey—he he suffered pr- kind of that gruesome injury, right? In the uh, 2002 against yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, the championship game. Um, but yeah, he came back from it and had a pretty sturdy NFL career. Yeah. Um, so 
uh, obviously good genes here. Wills McGahey, the fourth said, I asked him about like, you know, cause he's from my, Miami and his dad played there, but his dad just told him, you know, go where it's a big time environment and would, and they just like you for you. Like they really are all about you. And so it sounds like he's pretty open to exploring things. The fact that he was on Nebraska's campus, pretty far away from home on a, a Monday in March um, is not insignificant. And also um, he has some links on this team. I mean, Phil yeah. Simpson is a quality control coach. Who, It'll be an uh, interesting guy for Nebraska's recruiting down in Miami. I yes. Phil Simpson matters. He's a, uh, he coached down there and is very well respected down mm-hmm. there. And um, all those kids know him too. Um, and so he mentioned Phil Simpson right away. And then he talked about uh, Dwight Boodle, who seems to know everybody too. Um, <laughs> Dwight Boodle is like friends with everybody, it feels like. And Corey Collier, uh, who Boodle was friends with. And um, they told him so far, I mean, they've only been around this staff for a couple months, but they said, what you see is what you get. Like on the recruiting trail, what you hear from them, they're, they're like that behind the scenes. And so that made an impression on McGahey. And also they told him, he the way he explained it was the coaches were saying they have this new sort of position the jack is what they're calling it and it could be a a spot where you uh are a defensive end but also like a hybrid who drops back in coverage as a linebacker um so i mean it's seems like kind of an edge defender type of position but maybe it's got uh variables that i don't know about uh but he liked it he just liked how he could fit into that um, and it sounds like the scheme was sort of appealing to him that Tony White runs. So I would say Nebraska did pretty well as far as a visit in March goes. Yeah, I. This is a really stupid question. You can't answer it. But do you think the Jack is named after Miles Jack? I wonder. Yeah, because I, I feel like he was a really really good college player and was a versatile guy and kind of did different stuff for that UCLA team. And I swear that this Jack position, which we now all sort of know by just like the way that you know football terms by Mm. just being around it, I feel like it didn't exist pre-Miles Jack. Like, I feel like he's the namesake of this and no one's just come out and said it. Someone prove me wrong. Someone listening to this podcast be like, yeah, there's a Jack in 1962. You're an idiot. Shut up. Stop talking. Mm -hmm. Do that That, for me. That's probably true. Um, I don't... I I sometimes don't know about what they're calling stuff anymore. So it was like right. it, stuff is new to me. Sometimes it's not new to other people. Like last year, Ramir, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm playing the wide back. You know, that was what they were calling it, which is not that creative wide receiver right. running back. But uh, I was like, what was I remember I asked, uh, what was that? You know, and uh, Ellie French, the um, from, I believe, KTV corrected yeah. me she, or didn't correct me. She was just nicely saying like that Debo Samuel plays that, you know, and mm. I was like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'm a little I'm saying I'm behind a little bit on that stuff, but wouldn't surprise anybody. Dude, did you ask Willis McGahee if he ever carries the rock? Did you did you get into that? <laughs> we didn't. Um, you've done these interviews where uh, your dogs aren't uh, behaving at the exact time and. <laughs> Um, your wife is walking. You had chaos going on while you were trying your to wife, interview. Your yeah. wife is walking through the door, and you're you're walking outside into a wind tunnel to do to do the interview. So that's sort of how my interview okay. went with Will's McGay the Fourth, which I apologize for. 
So we didn't get into some of the deeper dive stuff I might have liked to regularly. Yeah, well, I wanted to know if there was real Miles Jack potential there. Like he could also just randomly end up at running back at a play and and have that thing from, you know, 84 yards out. All right, so Willis Willis McGahee was one. Caden Massey, an offensive lineman from Kansas. Big guy, six foot eight, uh, came out, visited Nebraska as well. We both talked to him. What did you think? What did you think of Caden uh, Massey's visit to Lincoln? Based he's on made, what he told you, uh, he he just got a, a a lot of information and he liked it. I mean, he just if they it was more beyond the football stuff. I think he's really interested in just the whole university package. What is this like mm-hmm. for me as a college student? And I think they did a good job of presenting. This is these are all the different avenues uh, you could you could take here. Um, he also mentioned that he was really impressed with rules first practice and that just the organization of it. And it didn't seem like a staff's first practice. Um, beyond that, I mean, he's a really interesting prospect because he, he plays eight man. Um, so it's hard sometimes to Evaluate I don't know, that, yeah. Yeah, get your arms around it. What does that mean to the next level? But he's done well enough that he has nine FBS offers and they're all pretty good ones like Midwest schools. I mean, there's, there's, he's got some, some things to think about. So, um, and he's visited Nebraska before he was here in a game day last year, but he just wanted to meet the new staff um, and see what the new Nebraska, as he said, is like. And um, so I think they're off to a good start with him. Um, But he's definitely, uh, you know, Kansas and Kansas state are in the mix too. And that's home state school. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, he's actually at Kansas State today, and then he's got Oklahoma Saturday. He'll be at Kansas next week and Oklahoma State, and then he's also trying to get to Iowa. So kind of speaking to your point, some interesting Midwest teams that are looking at this six foot eight offensive lineman playing eight-man football, and they're, they're certainly keeping him on the radar. And so he's going to be a pretty busy guy with visits. He kind of, uh, when I talked with him, it, we sort of hit on his thoughts on the coaching staff. And he seemed like he really liked Matt Rule and his interaction with him. And then he spoke very highly of Donovan Rayola as well. And so I think uh, Nebraska certainly has an opportunity to be involved in this recruitment going forward. He said he's planning on being back out here at some point. He doesn't know exactly when, but he, he wants to get back out to, to Lincoln and get more time with the staff uh, from the sound of things. So Caden Massey, certain someone to, uh, to keep an eye on as they – they have a lot of offensive line targets, which makes a ton of sense. I think they're trying to sort of rebuild that room a little bit. Uh, so that's not a big surprise. Stone Saunders, a 2025 quarterback, is here in Lincoln today. He's actually visited Nebraska and this staff before. I believe he was out here in the winter in, in January. Um, 2025 quarterback, Brian. I, I don't know much about Stone Saunders. I'm doubting you know a lot about Stone Saunders. But just sort of interesting to to get a guy like this out here twice in a short short span. I believe he's a uh, he's out east, right? So it could be some of those yeah. connections for them. Yeah, it, it's um, Nebraska could be a favorite here to me. Just the way I mean, obviously the fact that he's coming back and in the interviews he's done. Um, so yeah, you got to you always got to keep um, looking a couple years down the road. And and I know rules kind of old school because he's talked about. Like if he had his druthers, recruiting would be more like 
back in the day where you could watch guys senior film and all that. But he's the, you have to say that him and his staff, even if that's what they would prefer, uh, are showing that uh, they do a nice job with the landscape as it is and like, you know, staying a couple skips ahead because um, you have to, especially at the QB spot. You have to at least have those relationships and see where it ends up. But um, yeah, it wouldn't, he, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he ended up here, the given the fact that it, you know, like you say, multiple visits. Yeah. And that's just one quarterback coming in this weekend. There's a, excuse me, this week, there's another quarterback coming in this weekend. You all know him as Dylan Rayola. He is the biggest party guest of what appears to be a pretty big recruiting party that Nebraska hopes to have on Friday through Sunday. There's visitors all three days. I don't know that uh, there's any one collective event for everybody. Uh, Brian, but um, looks like a big, big weekend ahead for Nebraska, who, you know, we we talk all the time about Dylan Rayola, so I'm going to throw that one away. You can't use that. Okay. Who's somebody coming in this weekend that that you are really intrigued by? And not only that you're intrigued by, you think Nebraska stands a fighting chance of potentially landing this commitment? Peyton Lewis is pretty interesting to me, uh, the running back out of Salem, Virginia. He's got He's had a busy march like he i mean i remember i talked to him a few weeks ago and he had something going like every three or four days it felt like as far as visits or track he's a sister um he's like a national level um competitor like in track and field and so uh he i think his rating just went up at 24 7 sports too um recently um with the stars so he's a four-star guy and um i don't know the fact that they got him here uh, on campus for a weekend like this, I have to think that's going to be appealing to him when he looks around and he sees all these other guys, you know, who are, who are pretty big headliners. So um, he'd be one for me. I, I'll let you take another one and then I'll think of someone else. Yeah. I, uh, a couple guys out of Missouri that have my attention right away, obviously Andrew Sprague, uh, someone that this staff made sure they got down and saw during the, the January recruitment and December recruitment period. Uh, just to to get an evaluation in, to put some FaceTime in. He's at, uh, I believe, Rockhurst down there in Kansas City, big mountain of an offensive lineman. One of those guys that Nebraska really, in my opinion, Brian, has not done a great job recruiting Kansas City for a while now. That's an area where I really feel like they should have among the best pitches of, of uh, you know, the schools that go in there and recruit it regularly because it should be, you know, the history of Nebraska and Kansas City speaks for itself. Uh, obviously Kansas state and Kansas are right there, but, and Missouri isn't too far either, but Nebraska, I feel like should be able to handle its own down there. And so Andrew Sprague is a, a really big one, big offensive lineman, really intrigued by that. And then on the other far side of the state, we're going to go into the St. Louis Bermuda triangle where Nebraska's uh, recruiting hopes have gone to die largely, but Ryan Wingo, one of the top wide receivers in the country, a guy who's become fast friends with Dylan Rayola, a guy that Garrett McGuire has recruited really hard and is somebody I think Nebraska has made some some headway with. Uh, a guy that I believe knows Marcus Washington pretty well, another St. Louis product, another St. Louis wide receiver. This is someone that I think Nebraska's got a lot of ground that they still have to make up. But Ryan Wingo would be a really, really important get out of the St. Louis area. He's connected to everybody. Uh, it's one of those things that Tony White talked about. You know, you want to get those guys that 
can do some off hours recruiting for you where they just go back to their hometown. They're wearing a Nebraska shirt while they're working out in the gym or they're playing catch with the other guys from their area. We talk about St. Louis all the time. One way you can jumpstart a dormant area, you land that Pied Piper. I think they've got a long, long, long way to go with Brian Wingo, but just getting him on campus and uh, his relationship that potentially is growing with some of these other guys that are going to be there. All of this adds up together. And he's someone that I I'm certainly intrigued by, even if I acknowledge that it's a, it's a pretty big long shot because Mm -hmm. everybody in the country wants him. I always get, I'll just be honest. I get a little hesitant with um, who's coming for sure until it's like Friday. Yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent, you know, everything's fluid. So, and I, 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 we've tried to keep up and, and put guys we think are coming um, for like the last month or so. Um, but also I, I always would tell people like, you know, just keep in mind, like, we'll see, you know, like it, but it, it sure looks, I mean, like Brandon Baker is supposed to be here. Yep. Both the, of those number, guys have flight. So I feel pretty good about the two yeah, the, matter day guys. The, the number one offensive tackle in the country. Um, and, and I mean, you did a whole, thing on tony white in california and nebraska maybe getting going there again and i'll tell you what if you could swing him nate frazier is also coming uh from the same school as baker as you mentioned um so that if you could pull something like that off (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe the most talent rich school in the country in an area that's incredibly talent rich and two guys that are well known yeah but 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 the point being like dylan riola is like um yeah he's he's the guy the guy who serves a drink here when you talk about this class and probably is of great intrigue to the other prospects too like what he's going to do but i mean some of these guys it's like if 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 it weren't for the dylan riolis show we would be like look at this like that would yeah be, yep. there's like there's like six or seven different guys who would normally be the headline recruit that is scheduled for this event so if it all comes together and they are here as you hope um, it will be one of the the biggest like star packed weekends I can remember at Nebraska. Yeah, and it's you know it's not limited to any one position or any one thing either. I mean, there's there's wide receivers, linebackers, running backs, quarterback, an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. I mean, you've got uh, all the positions, and I I'm really you know Brian. I don't know how much you you looked into it when Matt Rule first took over down in Baylor. Uh, it took a little bit before they got the commitments to start rolling in. But one of the things that he had a lot of success with was these big visit weekends. Mm-hmm. And he hard, he started having them in January, the year after, or excuse me, the month after he was hired officially. And that's when they started landing some of their core pieces. Some of the guys that really went on to be big parts of them uh, or big parts of their, you know, their organization at Baylor. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen over this weekend. I think a lot of this to me is precursor, you know, setting it up where a guy gets to meet the staff. They, they're out here. Then they want to take another visit, maybe get them back to the spring game, maybe get them back in June for their official visit. Maybe they want to wait and they see a game in the fall, but you got to have that first initial, you know, walk through there. And they, they got to feel Nebraska before they can really you yeah. know, start to really believe that Nebraska is an option. But He's got success with this. I mean, one of the guys we're expecting to have up here, Roger Gradney, committed without ever being on campus. Like this, I, I you know, just because we've seen recruiting be one thing under a couple different staffs, it doesn't mean it has to be that under Matt Rule. I mean, things could get really interesting really quick. 
And uh, I think we're entering a, a pretty fun time here because, you know, after next week, Brian, we're going to be talking about official visits. And we don't really know what that's going to look like with the staff. Maybe they're going to want to bring guys in for some of these practices or for, you know, load up the spring game. Or maybe they're just going to really kind of focus on May and June. We don't really know. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be 100 miles a minute. Uh, people are going to have to, to have their head on a swivel, I think, um, with, with some of this recruiting early on. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, well, you you set it up pretty well there. Um, but you're right. I, I like the phrase you use. You got to feel it first. It's got, that's what it's got to be for some of these guys this weekend. So um, some of this, if there are results from it, could be delayed. Uh, you would expect it to be delayed. But I do think it, it's so cliche around here, but every coaching staff that's ever been has always said, get them here and you surprise them. You know, they, they're like, okay, this is a city. You know, this it's not it's not just all cornfields, as they always say, but also when they get around the facilities, it's like, OK, this is big time. Like this is a big time program. They should be able to have success um, here if you have the right staff and guys like me, because every player is thinking he's pretty good and yep. has some ego to him. And he's like, I could help that. And um, if you can get them around other players who are thinking the same thing and you get like three or four of those guys who get to talking and they're sort of like we could do something at that place with those resources. Uh, that can be a pretty powerful combination. Do you think Nebraska has a collection of hard hats ready to go with like the year number of these recruits? Like you got like 30, 24 hard hats that like when they take the tour into the completed areas of the the new facilities so they can show that off that, you know, instead of the decals they wear around their neck, they the hard hat lets you know if this is a 2024 or a 2025. They should if they haven't. So if yeah. they're if anybody's listening over there, they should. They should uh, yeah. go with that because that, that, that would be effective. They're not allowed to give gifts, but if they could, sending a kid back with his own custom Nebraska hard hat from the facilities that are going to be built, that works as a great symbol because Nebraska is building something here. That would be pretty good. Could a kid accidentally like forget that he had his hard hat on and just walk off and it's not a gift? You know, uh, there's, there's <laughs> definitely some times that some guys forget that they're wearing Nebraska gear when they leave campus. Um, but you know, I've heard that from some of the recruiting staffers. I feel like a hard hat. It's going to be a little bit more noticeable than if you're trying to roll out of there with a Nebraska hoodie. I speak as someone who's not connected with the program, by the way. So, uh, anyway, but yeah, uh, that would be a sweet, sweet gift if you could have it. Um, that'd be, that'd be sweet to have like on the desk, you know, your own yeah. little, if you had a collection of hard hats of like all the big 10 schools, maybe that'd be pretty good. Maybe we need to get a graphic made for our recruiting stuff. And it's just this Nebraska hard hat, you know, because everything's under construction right now. Yeah. And then we can, we can just run that when we have great recruiting content. It feels like there's been several Husker posters over the years oh, yeah. too, where guys have been in hard hats and some more flattering than others. There've been a couple that, with some old lines where you wish those posters hadn't been made, probably. <laughs> At least one I can think yeah. of. But well, hey, it's like road construction. It happens pretty frequently around here. So you just gotta you gotta be prepared for it. All right. Um, you know, we'll have plenty of content. Obviously, we'll be covering these visits as they happen. Uh pro day on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Before we before we leave, um what what, if anything, are you looking for out of Pro Day, Brian? 
Well, assuming everyone's there that I would guess is there, um, Garrett Nelson's a big story. Yep. What he does since he wasn't invited to the combine. Um, Caleb Tanner to me is an interesting story. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I kind of forgot about Caleb Tanner. Yeah, because I wonder, I wonder if he could find a more of a at uh, Nebraska. He was maybe sort of always kind of lost in his position slightly, like you know, yep. like he was he was playing up up a, a level. I thought. I wonder if uh, an NFL team could really see something in him. So um, probably those two guys uh, jump out to me the most. I might be forgetting someone. That, that's how it always happens with pro day. You kind of lose track of like, okay, yeah, that guy has a, a fighting shot too. And once in a while, there'll be a guy you weren't even thinking about. Marcus um, Mendoza. Yeah, who is sort of a fun story for the day. Or... We've seen this. I don't know that this will happen this year, but we've seen this with O linemen um, for Nebraska. Like uh, Zach Starup was an example of a guy who did not have maybe the career that some people envision for him at Nebraska, um, but he had great size. And when you know teams looked at him, they're like, "That could be a guy that is at least on the fringe of your uh, O line group in the NFL, where he could be useful and play different positions." So. Um, there are sometimes surprises, but I hope Garrett does well. And obviously Caleb, uh, because I think those are guys who they should at least get a shot with a team in a camp and then see where it goes. Wouldn't surprise me if Caleb Tanner could carve out kind of some kind of special teams thing as a linebacker either. Uh, it's a guy that, you know, with that athleticism, getting him on coverage units and return units, seems like something he would be able to help with. All right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and end this thing up. Uh, as always, be sure to check out Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage on everything going on. More practice coverage coming Thursday. I believe we get our first look at things. They're letting us in the building a little bit early. We get a we get a walk around. You'll have your your uh, movie camera that you make your your great videos with that we get every year. The practice footage that always comes through um, mm -hmm. for us. Ang Lee, as as Brunts likes to call you of of Husker247. Uh, you know, Brunts will have us scurrying around, writing all the numbers down in case there's anybody that isn't showing up. And then we'll get handed a roster and it'll have made our exercise fruitless. This happens every year. Uh, what else will happen with the, the first visibility? There'll be uh, over overreaction to somebody doing something. by. No, somebody. no, no, that never happens. Ho hopefully not us. <laughs> never that never it's not ever been a time where someone got first team reps as a quarterback and that led to <laughs> a very definitive statement about who the starter is going to be weeks before the season mm -hmm. never happened brian yeah you're making it up all right well with all of that we'll leave you uh be sure to check out husker 24 7 we'll be back with another podcast later this week for brian christopherson i'm mike shaper we'll catch you later Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.